Well, this week is the last week of our series on starting fires. And remember we said that these fires are not destructive. They're fires of warmth and passion and purpose. <laughs> and I want to start perhaps with a question and then finish today with the saddest and yet most hopeful verse in the New Testament. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, as you open your eyes in the morning, there is a unique thought that should cross your mind. What is it? You know, most people wake up with a list of tasks for the day, a sense of happy anticipation or or maybe nervous dread about what they have to accomplish that day. Most people would hope to make a positive contribution to their family or community and what they do in that day, but a follower of Christ has a unique thought. And their thought is, today I'm on a mission from God. What will I do today? to bring awareness to others that the kingdom of God is alive and well, that God is in charge of the world, that he is good and he is yearning for his children to hear his voice and to come home. We have a unique identity as sent ones, those who God is scattering across the globe to draw others to himself. Sent. This is the S of our BELLS acronym that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. We bless people, we eat with them, we listen to the promptings of the Spirit, we learn Christ and we see ourselves as sent by God everywhere life takes us. Now, I just want you to sit with that for a moment. Before every other purpose that you might have, whether it be as a, a mother, father, mentor, friend, carer, student, teacher, employee, employer, artist, sports person, manager, builder, your purpose is to be sent. We have been saved for a purpose. Now, the author Michael Frost makes a great analogy of what sent people are like when he refers to our lives being like a trailer to an upcoming film. And he says this, trailers are tasters of the soon to be released feature and they usually include the best special effects or the funniest scenes or the most romantic moments. Now watch those around you in the theater at the end of each trailer. If it's done well, usually one person will turn to the other and say, I want to see that one. Well, this is a great metaphor for the missional church. If it does its job well, people will see what it does and say, I want to see the world they come from. That world that Michael Frost is talking about is the kingdom of God. And the whole point of our teaching this year has been around becoming, becoming like Christ, being moulded into his shape with his character. And when we live like that, we reflect the kingdom of God. So 
If our lives are meant to be a trailer, let's remind ourselves what people should be able to see in us that points them towards the kingdom. The first thing is reconciliation. Now, Scripture says that we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. It's a special spiritual gifting to help estranged people come back together. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. There's some powerful words out of the book of Galatians. Right at the beginning, the Christian church was all about reconciliation. This is the core value of God's reign and we can show it to others when we champion reconciliation. Now, how do we do that? Maybe we are the ones who mediate between warring colleagues or family members or we are the ones to help friends to reconcile or we are the first to step into a peaceful win-win solution. Or we are the first to say, I'm sorry, opening up, a, opening up the situation to the possibility of healing. The second demonstration of this kingdom of God is, do we have a passion for justice? because this is also at the very core of God's heart. In the book of Amos, we hear God saying to his people, do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's all I want. That's all I want. Can you hear the passionate heart of God? Christians have long recognised the call to defend and uphold the dignity and well-being of all persons. The kingdom is a place where everyone has enough and no one is marginalised. We can show justice in lots of ways, whether it be donating to a cause or signing a petition or opening up our homes to those who need care. I want you to be aware also that when you give to this church, when you sacrifice of your finances to this church, you are demonstrating a desire for justice as we reach out to, to change the lives of people in this community, in Seaford and especially in Papua New Guinea. Thirdly, can people see that you appreciate beauty now, this might seem like a strange one with, when we talk about reconciliation and justice. Yeah, that fits with our vision of the Christian faith, but, but why beauty? Let's, let's hear some words from Psalm 8. O Lord our God, the majesty, the, the majesty and honour of your name fills all the earth and overflows the heavens. When I look up into the night sky... See the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have made. I cannot understand how you can bother with mere puny man to pay any attention to him. This is for all those people who, like me, encounter God's presence in the beauty of nature, a stunning sunset, crashing surf on the rocks or the luminous colours of a beetle. 
or in the beauty of theatre and music and art, I have been known to weep like a baby in front of a Monet. We can invite people to experience beauty with us and point them to the one who created it. When we help someone experience the joy of beauty, we draw them into the kingdom of God. And fourthly, does, does our movie trailer point people towards wholeness? Let me tell you a story about the prophet John. He was um, a cousin of Jesus and he started his public ministry before Jesus and was proclaiming that God was on the move. He was telling people to repent and get ready. He was arrested by the Romans and while languishing in prison, he heard about Jesus, what he was doing, and sent his friends to ask Jesus if he was the one that God was sending to set everything right. And here's what Jesus said to him. Go back to John and tell him all you have seen and heard here today, how those who were blind can see. The lame are walking without a limp. The lepers are completely healed. The deaf can hear again. The dead come back to life and the poor are hearing the good news. Jesus was saying to John, you know I am bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth because I am restoring broken people. And as followers of Christ, we are sent to continue this work in our world. Now, of course, God works miracles through wonderful health and social work professionals, but our unique ministry is the supernatural presence of God that can change and heal. And we bring that presence through prayer. Our mission is prayer. It's such a simple and powerful thing to offer to do for people. I have never had a person refuse when I ask if I can pray for them. So we are sent into the world to demonstrate reconciliation, justice, beauty, wholeness. This is our mission from God. Now, in Luke's eyewitness account of the life of Jesus, he tells the story of Jesus training his disciples to be on mission. And not just the 12, but a wider group of 72 that he sent out to, to visit towns that Jesus was planning to come to. They, like us, were called to go ahead of Jesus and announce that the kingdom was on the way and we want to help you get ready. And my friend, Pastor Alan DeMond, put the story from Luke 10 into his own words um, in a great little book called um, Following Jesus. So his, this is his uh, version of um, those verses in Luke 10. It's time for a field trip. I want you to go out and prepare some local people to meet me. Stir their hearts, fish about and see what you can discover. The object is to make more followers. I want you to work in teams, at least two of you, so you can support each other. Do not go in strength. Do not trust in your money. Go in weakness. Make yourselves vulnerable so my father can work through you. You will need to find allies. 
Remember, the Father is already going ahead of you, so look for people who are sympathetic to peace, kingdom-friendly in their attitudes. Team up with them. In fact, I want you to get on their turf. Go where they are comfortable, where they make the rules, and let that be your launching place. I want you to move into their world and be useful. Heal people. Confront evil in my name and expect our Father to work through you. You will plant lots of seeds of hope as you explain to people that these moments of grace are God's kingdom. It is here and they can join. If people reject you, do not make it personal. Just brush it off and move on. God will sort it out in his time. You know, the cluster of people that you intersect with every day are your field of mission. These little groups of work colleagues, sports enthusiasts, extended family and, and local neighbours are all dreaming of a better life. They're looking for hope. Some are even asking if there is divine help. They need followers of Jesus to become vulnerable, to lean into their world and give evidence of the Father's love and his kingdom presence. Go out and bells them. Bless, eat, listen, learn, because you're sent. Let's hear from some gateway people who are doing just that. I think when I started going to church, I was really scared about what people thought of me. And I was scared to tell people that I gone to church and I've become a Christian and and I just found the more I actually just stepped out of my comfort zone, the more I realised people were interested if I was passionate. Early uh, in my church journey, I did the Alpha program and Brock was in my group. And um, growing up in a non-Christian home, there was a lot of things that maybe people within the church community just kind of knew like, you know, parables and things. And it was, you know, I hadn't been exposed to any of them or a, a very few. So it was, yeah, it was nice to know that I could ask questions that were maybe I thought were a little bit silly. And yeah, he was great at kind of paving the way as well for me to be able to do that, yeah. I'd say to someone who thinks that um, the average Aussie isn't interested in any religion whatsoever is confused because even when I was a young kid, you think that there's somebody or there's something greater. There's obviously some God or some being, um, the reason why you're here. And even to now, you know, I work with some colleagues now who recently, you know, granted they were probably intoxicated slightly, they still came out, you know, once they found out that I was involved in the church. And I think it was like four of them there, or three of them all said that they had lived a life or had given their life to Christ at some point. And then they're so intrigued and um, got so many questions on like why I'm still on the path or, you know, I think there's a lot more people who are, who are interested in a religion or Christ than what people think. So I play women's football and um, 
one of the things I bring onto the field with me, especially being a follower of Jesus, is a sense of encouragement. And actually, a, a opponent recently um, said, said to me when we we're having a chit chat, you're not really supposed to have a chit chat with your opponent usually, you usually hate them. But um, yeah, I love having a chit chat anyway. But she goes to me, You are the most encouraging and nicest footballer I've ever seen. And I was like, like, why is that? And she goes to me, you shout out such encouraging words to your teammates for the smallest things. I'm like, have you seen how they're playing? They're incredible. Like that one mark, that one goal, that one kick, that person's feeling like, yeah, I did a good job. And if someone else sees that and encourages them, they're probably like, yeah. And that encourages them to keep going, stay motivated. And I think that's a really powerful thing. If you had two minutes to speak to someone and try and bring them to Christ, it's like Bible bashing isn't going to do it. It's the personal stories that like, they can't dispute that because that's my personal experience. So yeah, it can really dig deep and, and impact people. My dad has always had a really negative opinion of church and what it's about. And um, so for three years, whenever um, he'd call me on a Sunday morning and I wouldn't answer the phone because I was at church. And he'd be like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, I was at church, Dad. And then he'd change the subject. And I couldn't sort of penetrate this wall. And that was sad because when I got baptised, he didn't come. When my children got baptised, he didn't come. And then one day, it was Father's Day, and I rang him and I said, Dad, they're honouring dads at church today and I would just love you to come so I can honour you because I think you've been an amazing father. And he goes, oh, I'll think about it. And he came and I messaged everyone at church and said, please pray for my dad. And he's not a Christian today, but he came and he loved it. And through the whole service, he's nudging me going about, you know, camp, no fear and um, Friday Night Live, you should get your kids in that, are your kids doing that? I'm like, yes, Dad, yes, oh, that sounds really good for them. And, and then after the service, there was a barbecue and there was um, photos and um, he spoke to you, Marcy, and he spoke to many other people and, um, and he left there and he's had a 20 minute drive home and he didn't even make it all the way home. And he pulled over and he sent me a text message and he said, Chris, you going to that church, I think is the best thing you've ever done for your family. What an incredible place to raise your children. What an amazing community and beautiful people. And he's come back a few times. And when there's church at home during COVID and I've been at my parents' house, they've watched church with me. They're happy to watch it, happy to engage and happy to have those conversations with me now so I can talk openly to my dad about it, which is really beautiful. I just loved what Dale said about the average Aussie, that they are often more open to spiritual things than we think. So let me finish by sharing the saddest and yet most hopeful verse in the Bible. In the eyewitness account recorded in Matthew, Jesus, at the height of his ministry, was travelling through towns and villages, proclaiming the coming of God's kingdom and healing the people of their diseases. But even the Son of God felt overwhelmed by the mass of human misery that he saw around him. And he knew that he could not touch every broken soul by himself. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Can you imagine the heartache in Jesus as he looks across his beloved children in the crowds, sees the overwhelming need for them to know of the love of the Father, and he also knows that very few people are equipped or willing to help. The sadness of this verse struck me this week. But something hopeful also struck me. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. There are many people who are open and ready to accept an invitation into his kingdom. They just need to hear that invitation in a way that opens the door of their heart. Jesus is calling every one of us to roll up our sleeves and get out in the fields. Remember, we are becoming people who love to help people become lovers of God. So let's do the work.